From the Heritage Foundation, this is Heritage Explains. At the time of this podcast, it's nearing the end of the year. As 2023 draws to a close, it's time to look back and take stock of what this year has brought and what we hope to accomplish in 2024. This year has brought many changes, but one of the most striking and talked about is the lightning fast development that has taken place in the field of artificial intelligence, or AI. Almost overnight, it seems, we've constructed very sophisticated computer models that can write convincingly like a human, that can drive a car, that can invest in the stock market, that can generate whole videos with a text command. This invention is one of the most important and timely of our age and may shape our society as much as the last pivotal invention, the internet, has. The American story is punctuated by such leaps in innovation. As a country, we've produced ideas and inventions that have revolutionized the world around us, from the airplane to the telegraph, and now to ever new applications of AI. And one might ask, where does all this innovation come from? You could talk about free markets and free speech, and that's all well and good. That's true. But what about actually making the stuff? What is the one thing that all innovation, all business, practically all aspects of life depend upon to make happen? Energy. Without electricity, computers are not functional or even built in the first place. Without diesel fuel, medical supplies are not transported. Without natural gas, homes are not heated. Energy is the fuel of the economy and of practically everything else. So it stands to reason that energy is a big conversation in the public policy world, and one made ever more contentious by issues like climate change. Many political and social forces are converging to suggest that energy consumption is a net bad thing for humans and for the planet. Kevin Diaratna, chief statistician, data scientist, and senior research fellow for the Center for Data Analysis here at the Heritage Foundation, disagrees. He recently co-authored a new report explaining just why, and he joins the podcast today to talk about it. Kevin Diaratna, welcome to Heritage Explains. Good to be with you, Mark. So tell me, how did you wind up becoming a data scientist studying energy and the environment? That's a great question. When I was doing my PhD in statistics at the University of Maryland, I was interested in opportunities to apply this field, that background to public policy, and I was in, in the D.C. area, so I looked for internship opportunities after I finished my qualifying exams, and there was a great one available at the Heritage Foundation in 2012, and I've basically been here ever since. And I initially started working out on healthcare, but then I branched out, and there were so many great questions um, in terms of energy. My, uh, my former colleague, Nick Loris, brought me into the mix, and I've been doing this for about the last 10 years now. 
another heritage internship uh, success story. We have a lot of them. We have a great heritage internship program here, the Young Leaders Program. So if you yourself are a promising young youth or know any who are, um, we've got a lot of great alumni uh, who have benefited from the program, you know, both here at, at Heritage on Capitol Hill and in their own home states. So great that we've got another one right here. Absolutely. And yes, for anyone listening, I work with these interns all the time. So you're more than welcome to apply and uh, say that you want to work with me. Outstanding. Well, we are here to talk to you today specifically about a new paper that um, has been put out by your department here at Heritage called Powering Human Advancement, Why the World Needs Affordable and Reliable Energy. And this paper starts off while having a lot of prescriptions for the future. It starts off in the past. Why is that? Well, I mean, people often these days just take energy for granted on, in terms of flipping on a light switch or powering your car, enabling this very podcast to operate. But the bottom line is, you know, it, was, it wasn't that long ago where we were depending on animals for power, the horse and buggy and carts and stuff like that and human power. And once electricity really started to take off, it, there were so many advancements that were made. And we, we really start out with how things were during these very primitive times and how things have taken off since then. So the paper sketches out three foundational innovations that like change the landscape of energy uh, in the United States and across the world forever. Um, and those were steam and then electricity and then the internal combustion engine. Yes. And we saw not only how those had impact on, you know, being able to turn on a light switch or something like that, but also had more broad societal consequences. So can you talk about that? How did society change following these developments? Oh, well, society matured tremendously as a result of these things, and it only continued to mature as um, as, as things went forward from the 20th century onward. And since then, um, there were tremendous innovations such as, you know, things that we take for granted, like running water, refrigerators, automobiles, radios, color TVs, computers, uh, and telephones, and so forth. And things have really taken off um, since the start of the 20th century. And Many of these things we just, you know, we literally take for granted, but society has really progressed as a result of these great innovations that have taken place over the course of the years. We have seen the proliferation of, of energy consumption over time since the start of the 20th century, and we have some nice charts in the paper about this, and as, as energy consumption has shot up, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, so have um, things like life expectancy, for example. So has income throughout the world. Um, income has increased several hundred percent, both in the United States and throughout the world. Several hundred percent. Correct. Absolutely, yeah. It has increased tremendously throughout the world. Um, and not only have those increased, but um, things like child mortality have plummeted as a result of these, uh, as a result of access to affordable and reliable energy. Um, and um, agricultural productivity has also increased tremendously because, again, we are now away from, you know, typical um, human power, and we now have opportunities to utilize uh, these tr great te technologies such as tractors, but not just that. Artificial intelligence is now coming into the picture, remote sensing and satellites. This is all a result of the innovations regarding energy and its availability. So indisputably, having cheap and available energy has helped improve human life in almost every sense. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Energy is literally the key to civilization. And what lawmakers need to be able to do is make sure that it is affordable, reliable, and abundant. So now we come to kind of the crux of the conversation. 
which is that there seems to be a political movement on the left and among prominent global organizations such as the UN and others towards limiting available energy sources and moving towards decarbonization, right? The idea of taking so-called fossil fuels out of the market. You would suggest that this is not as great a step forward as they would say it is. That is not productive at all. We have modeled this time and time again at the Heritage Foundation, and we found that even if you completely eliminated all fossil fuels from the United States, you'd have less than 0.2 degrees Celsius temperature mitigation, assuming an overly sensitive climate. If the EU were to do this, there would be less than 0.13 degrees Celsius temperature mitigation by the end of the century. No meaningful impact whatsoever. And these are probably overestimates because they are assuming worst case scenarios um, deemed by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. But what I can say, and we have looked at this in the paper, is that there are inevitably and unfortunately deaths due to dirty water. There are deaths due to air pollution throughout the world, um, historically as well as now. And what we have noticed is that when energy is consumed in greater quantities on a per capita basis, these two statistics plummet. Deaths due to dirty water plummet and deaths due to air pollution plummet. So the bottom line is affordable and reliable energy is a key to maintaining a, key, a clean environment. And overall, what you're suggesting is that you're protecting more human life by making energy available than by decarbonization. Absolutely. In fact, I mentioned how life expectancy has increased tremendously throughout the world. I think in the United States at the start of the century, it was slightly under 50 years of age. Now it's slightly over 70 years of age. And a great question is, what can we do to improve it even further? But throughout the world, there's a still a tremendous heterogeneity in what life expectancy is. There are certain African countries where it is well below 70 years of age. Um, and there are, which don't consume much energy at all. And there are countries throughout the world, which we have charts on, um, that consume higher levels of energy that have like life expectancies exceeding 80. Um, we also see child mortality throughout the world in recent data plummet as a result of access to affordable and reliable energy. We also see mater maternal mortality decline as a result of access to affordable and reliable energy. So the bottom line is energy Affordable and reliable energy, I should say, is the key to human flourishing. Looking at a continent like Africa, where a lot of these global efforts are concentrated, how would your strategy differ from, say, somebody at the UN? Let's not deny them access to affordable and reliable energy. Let's not push these policies like decarbonization onto them, which aren't going to meaningfully impact the climate, but they will continue to impoverish these nations. I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't want to lift these people out of poverty, but energy, affordable and reliable energy, is, is a key to doing so. So let's figure out how to get them that. One of the many concerns about sources like coal and oil and natural gas is the impact that they would have upon the environment. And you suggested that even in a worst case scenario, that impact over the long term is fairly minimal. But over time, we also are expecting more and more innovation that helps to make these technologies less harmful to the environment. Do we expect that to continue? What's the role of innovation in all this? Oh, Mark, that's a great question. Yeah. And the reason that that has occurred in the past and how these innovations may continue in the future is, again, access to affordable and reliable energy. So the more we have access to these technologies, uh, which will be due to access to a to affordable and reliable energy, then we will be able to do more, do more things in a cleaner manner, do more things in an efficient manner, and society will continue to prosper and flourish even more than it currently does today. I can't wait to see what life will look like 20, 30 years from now 
if we could really unleash this key to human flourishing. So we've got fossil fuels, we've got so-called renewables with wind and solar, we've got nuclear, we have possibly emerging technologies. What does Heritage recommend for the U.S. and globally? How should we produce this energy? Yeah, we're very blessed with a vast array of sources, and what we should do is let all these sources compete on a level playing field. There are certain areas where some sources are, are a better fit than others. For example, Washington State uh, is... Is, exists in such a way that hydropower is a potentially a great source for them. Um, but all forms of energy should be able to compete, this is what we believe at Heritage, on a level playing field without government subsidies coming into the picture and the government picking winners and losers and trying to promote favoritism to one form of energy or, or the other. Uh, a lot of these subsidies are predicated on concerns about climate change, but as I have discussed, the subsidies themselves aren't going to meaningfully alter climate change. Again, even if you abated all fossil fuel use, you're not going to impact climate change. So we might as well just let everything compete on a level playing field and let the best one win. And then again, that will go back to the central theme of this paper, enable society to flourish because you will have, as a result, the most affordable and most reliable forms of energy. So for concerned Americans listening at home, what is the best way for them to engage on this issue? So it's that's a great question, Mark. Um, in terms of energy consumption itself, firstly, I think it's important for them not to take energy for granted. Just think about what goes into energy. We talk about this in our paper and how this has evolved over the years. And they should resist attempts by lawmakers to start altering energy and the portfolio from which it is being consumed and resist uh, policies such as carbon taxes, uh, carbon-based regulation, which will um, weaken the diversity of the forms of energy and as a result will manifest itself in reduced um, per capita consumption. And these metrics that we all talk about that are key to human flourishing will also unfortunately suffer as a result. So the key is let's try to encourage lawmakers to be able to enable all forms of energy to compete on a level playing field. Again, the bottom line is, is that energy is inextricably linked to human flourishing, and we think that, and our paper makes it clear um, that this link is pervasive through all forms or, or through varieties of factors that manifest human flourishing, including um, health, agriculture, and economics. And this inextricable link has been present for the last several centuries and will continue to be for years to come. Thank you to Kevin Dyeratna for his contribution to this episode. You can find more on data science, energy, and the environment by Kevin at heritage.org. That's also where you'll find the full text of the report we discussed in this interview, Powering Human Advancement, Why the World Needs Affordable and Reliable Energy. We'll have a link in the show notes so you can go check it out. As always, thank you for listening to Heritage Explains. If you have any feedback, thoughts, or questions, of course, you can send them to heritageexplains at heritage.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Take care. We'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It's written and produced by Mark Guiney, Lauren Evans, and John Pop.